Oddities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities, where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, we are continuing along with our failed blockbuster series by discussing The Predator. Right, Zach? Is that what we're doing? No. No? no? Uh, 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 Mortal Engines? Is that this week? Uh. Ooh. Uh, Fan Forestick? Uh-uh. Oh. I, I have I, I didn't I did not prepare well for this. Um, th- that Simpsons episode, Stark Raving Dad. It couldn't be Walt's frozen head. I did not enjoy that. Oh well, then uh, then what? It's got to be evolution, right? Ding 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 ding. All right, and so we are continuing with a failed blockbuster back from two thousand one, Evolution. David Duchovny, Orlando Jones. I guess my first question, let's just jump right into it. Uh, This is a movie that I was well aware of. I feel like I caught this on HBO back in the day, and I saw it a bunch of times. Um, But as we're considering this a failed blockbuster, uh, is this something that a lot of people, you know, never saw? Or, you know, maybe some people saw it and, and hated it? Or, you know, kind of what's the history of this being a failed blockbuster, Zach? Enlighten me. Um... Well, like Rob said, we went through many, many iterations of the final chapter in the failed blockbuster series. And we kind of decided on evolution as we were going through the list. And I think it eventually came down to, we were like, I'm going to go look at my movie collection and we'll figure something out. And uh, again, we'll get into more what people think of this movie because I don't think most people have an opinion because I never saw it. Okay. But it's been a movie that I've been aware of forever. And so the reason why I picked it or how I saw it was that, like in my room, I have like a, a DVD stand and it's like one of the top like 10 movies on my DVD stand where I keep my quote unquote favorite movies, like Eraserhead and elves. Nice. And it's there. And so it was like, Rob, cause I know in the past, Rob, we've talked about evolution. Just like, we've just oh God, slightly just like touched upon it. And I'm like, Rob, like, let's see if elves, let's go, let's look up box office mojo. Does that make money? We take a look, and it's like, no, it barely made any money. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess that's what we're going to do this week. So, yeah, that's uh, I, I, the movie only grossed, I want to say, $38 million in the U.S. Back in the when it opened in June of 2001, oh, and it made worldwide $96, no, $98 million oh. on, a, on a reported $80 million budget. Man. So even with like, well, this was back during the heyday of video rental sales and home video, even still, I have a hard time believing this ever got into the black. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So, so was it really that, you know, um, no one went to see it in theaters? I was clearly from the U.S. numbers, but I don't know, maybe it's, it's like first weekend or something like that. I mean, was this even a hyped movie back in the day? Because I certainly found out about it after the fact. I didn't see this in theaters or anything. Rob, I am so glad you asked that question. I remember the fr- I saw. I'm pretty certain I saw this in theaters. Oh. I'm pretty certain because I remember why I used to live in Florida, and I I've, I think I don't think we've ever brought it up on here though. But one of the many many year long series that I want to do that Rob's like Zach, that's not practical. We can't devote a year to this. <laughs> is talking about the blockbusters of summer of 2001 before 9/11. Oh yes, and this would uh, this was obviously 
being saved if that ever got off the ground. Okay. Because I remember like in the spring of 2001, I had to go find my ticket sub diary. Maybe I can pinpoint the exact movie. <laughs> but I remember I was going to the movies and they had like a theater standee. But like it wasn't your typical standee. It was like I think it was it's like the poster. You have all four characters there. You have David the Coveney, Julianne Moore, Orlando Jones, Sean William Scott. And then like like they're in front of like a cardboard hole and it has like the the triple or like the three-eyed smiley face. Okay. And it said like evolution coming summer 2001. And for whatever reason, I remember my mother being like, I want to see that. And I have no idea if we actually saw it in theaters. I, I don't have a ticket stub for it. So who knows? That could all honestly could have been thrown out. But mm-hmm. I I got the VHS and I like when I was growing up, this was one of my all time just keep going back and rewatching it. Okay. To the, to the point where I love because I think we talked about it during our music video series, how I really had no like like how Rob was a uh, lime wiring things when he was coming out of the womb. <laughs> I had I was the exact opposite like that. So like if I wanted to hear music like the Samantha Mumba song or the uh, play that funky music white boy, I would have to loop this. Like I'd have to watch like the 30 second clip of it, <laughs> rewind it if I wanted to hear the song. Cause I had no way. I, like my parents were not I, any means music people in that sense. Like my mother was a Rolling Stones person mm-hmm. and my father loved, oh my Lord, he loved uh, his jazz from like the 1940s with a little bit of disco from the 70s. Yep. And so he like, they had no idea what any of that music was. So that's pretty much like I've I've been firmly entrenched with this movie since basically it opened. Okay, okay, that's really ago. cool. That's really cool um, because I think I'm in the same boat as you, not with the, the music and stuff, uh, with kind of an affinity for this movie um, because when I first found it way back when, I'm pretty sure it was on HBO, and, you know, that's when HBO would just, you know, repeat stuff. I'm sure they still do. Um, but I would kind of try and catch this every time I could when it was on HBO. I really liked this movie when I was younger. And and I, I still really like it now. I, I loved it when I rewatched it earlier today for this recording. I really watched it a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the weird thing is that like I, as I get older and I do have such a large uh, movie collection, I, I love going back and like rewatching something I haven't watched in years. And considering now that I have a much more developed, oh god, uh, analytical perspective on movies that I didn't mm-hmm. have when I used to watch this religiously, so I find that fun. But with this, it was kind of the exact opposite, where I kind of remembered everything that was going. I, I know every single plot beat of this so well. Sure. And yet, it's a very super. It's a very shallow film. Yep, I agree there's with that. Not, there's not that much depth to it. It's like I'm watching. I'm like, okay, and then this is gonna happen, and then that's gonna happen. Like, don't get me wrong. Some of the comedy still resonates. Like, I absolutely like back in the day, I loved the the Sean William Scott Orlando Jones. Oh, ducky, 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 ducky. Like, oh. I like I, I I was like over the moon about that. And now it's still funny. Don't get me wrong. Like the deadpan humor. Like if there if there is one highlight from this movie, it's Orlando Jones, and it's a shame that he's not like ubiquitous. It's it's a shame that he's not like the Kevin Hart of this era. Yeah, I I love Orlando Jones. I've loved him for a long time. Um, and and it was great to kind of see him, you know, in this movie because I haven't seen him in anything else in so long. Yeah, like it, it's really a shame that like he never like blew up the way he deserved because everybody in this movie's kind of sleepwalking through it, mm-hmm. except like he is like giving it his all. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that when he's they see all the dead dragon aliens or whatever, and he's like, "Great Google Mugga," and David Duchovny <laughs> just like looks at him like, "What are you doing, man?" Great Google Mugga. <laughs> Like, well, I, yeah, hope, I hope that was an outtake that made it into the final cut or something. <laughs> well, I, I feel a lot of what he's doing is just ad-libbing on the spot. Okay. 
because like, like even that, like you said, I, I to this day I still do that. If something happens that's like unexpected, yeah, it's not like really bad. I'll go great Guga Muga, <laughs> like I, I or whatever exactly. So to this point, I've said it so many times. I've made my own incarnation of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff is just him like improvising on set, and that's not why fine. you do. Like I, I know even like I was reading something like this. Even when, like in David Duchovny presses his butt against the windshield, mm-hmm. like apparently that was like originally improvised, and like they liked it so much they kept doing like oh god take after take of it. And I guess it was so cold out that eventually like he couldn't put his butt to the windshield, so they actually get like a like a printed out picture of his butt <laughs> or, or something like that. So like I like I don't know that sounds like the exact opposite of like improvising something, but. Yeah, like, like I don't know. This this is a weird movie, and as I tried like doing research on this, because I'm like, oh, like Rob's like, what is like, like the like I don't know popular opinion on this movie. Yeah, and the only thing I could find that like it was anything ubiquitous about it was it was like, oh, David Duchovny chose this movie over appearing in a Star Wars movie, and I'm like, oh. And I'm like, that's a weird like takeaway. Like that's the only reason why people talk about this movie because I found like a Reddit like thread mm-hmm. from like like five years ago and it's like best decision ever <laughs> and, it's, and it's just people crapping on it like i think it was attack of the clones and like this movie's great yet nobody's seen it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay that's interesting yeah i d- never knew that yeah apparently no i even looked up trying to figure out what character david the company be playing and nobody knows to this day it's okay, just something that was like, gonna be my next question <laughs> yeah apparently he, it's like an offhand like he was like being i think he was promoting this movie and he did it's like an offhand remark in like June of 2001, like once he said it once because I couldn't even find the original source. Okay. It, I kept finding seeing it like referenced in articles everywhere, and like again, like a lot of BuzzFeed listicles. It's like these actors came so close to like like hitting it big. You know, I don't think you could say by David Duchovny not appearing in a Star Wars film, he didn't hit it big. But yeah, <laughs> to, to, to each his own. But it's like yeah, I, I I couldn't even find the original source. So usually when that happens, it's usually like they go on a radio station and they make an offhand remark and it just gets blown up. Okay. Especially back in like the early 2000s where we didn't document. Like there wasn't a thousand like Entertainment Tonight articles off of something an actor said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right on, right on. Yeah, I think I, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier where the, a lot of people are kind of sleepwalking or a lot of the performances are like they're sleepwalking through the film. And that's that's kind of what I definitely picked up more on this viewing. Because while I, you know, both of us, you and I, Zach, have said we watched this a bunch when we were younger. Um, I haven't seen it in a really long time. So when I watched it, you know, I was able to pick up on on things like that that I think I previously didn't notice. Oh, and before I get to the performances, that joke at the beginning when David Duchovny is like teaching his class and he's like, almost every one of you got A's. So much for the bell curve. And one of the students goes, bell curves suck. Congratulate yourselves. I got a real good feeling about this group. And I think that the parade of A's is going to continue straight through to the end of the semester. So much for the bell curve, right? Yeah, bell curves suck, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I never got that joke when I was younger. But, <laughs> but it definitely, you know, resonated with me now. But but I, I agree with what you said. You know, you have those kind of sleepwalking performances almost. Or, or they're very kind of, you know, reined in, I guess. And I definitely felt that way from... Uh, Captain Leland Stottlemyre, good old Ted Levine, and whoever he played in Jurassic Boogaloo. Um, Ty Burrell? Ty Burrell had, like, nothing to do in this movie. And and so, yeah, I'm with you. That was something that definitely, you know, kind of stood out to me. Um, and I think I've said it before on this podcast that when I was younger, I was certainly of the mindset where if it was a movie, it was good. Like, it had to be good. Like, I didn't <laughs> – there was a point in my life where I didn't understand that there were bad movies. Um 
And so I think, you know, that's might've been why this resonated with me so much. Cause I just loved other aspects of it. Um, but you know, now I can pick up on it and it's like, okay, yeah, you can tell some things are a little flatter than they, they should feel to be. Yeah. I, I guess after talking for 10 minutes, we should kind of like outline the plot of this. Cause I feel like it's like not do a, a rundown, but just kind of describe what, what like a synopsis. Cause I feel most people, if they are listening to this, have never seen this movie before. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so Evolution is a story. David Duchovny and Orlando Jones are scientists. There's a meteor that crashes in the desert. Sean William Scott's there by chance. And this, this meteor has alien life on it. It starts to, what, infect the planet? And, and all these creatures kind of spring up out of it. Again, Evolution, they evolve very quickly. Julianne Moore is there, part of when the government gets involved. All sort of hijinks happen the alien menace kind of gets unleashed even more so than it was previously and the the good guys are four main leads as stated david the company orlando jones julianne moore sean william scott and with two other characters whose names i should probably know well i'm not gonna bother looking them up right now have to stop the alien menace and again all sorts of comedic shenanigans occur in between from start to finish and dan ancroyd's in there yeah yeah and um did you mention that Sean William Scott wants to be a fireman? <laughs> that's a very, that's a very like, uh, I feel like that's a very inflated subplot to this movie that he wants to be a fireman so badly. Well, it's it's weird because like I feel like they're like, oh, he shows up with a fire truck halfway through the like what two thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's like, oh, we need to explain this somehow. So it's like, okay, um, like I don't know. I feel like it's like a weird movie where it feels like. It was like just like oh god, put together through like miscellaneous pieces. Mm-hmm. Like it feels, like, it feels like what happens like after you like have like eight or ten Lego sets with like little pieces. You try to make something out of it at the end of the day, and, and your overall inspiration is to make the new Ghostbusters. And it's yep. kind of like the end result. And it's like oh, like I can kind of see what you're going for, but maybe if everybody cared a little bit. So like a, like a smudge, a smidge more, maybe you would have had something worthwhile here. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, definitely seemed, you know, very, uh, very piecemeal. Um, and in my research, I did, I read from a few sources that this was originally uh, intended to be more of a, just a straight sci-fi movie. And then when Ivan Reitman came in, he kind of, or not came in, but he rewrote the script to have more of those comedic elements. So, you know, it definitely went through that transformative process. Not that, you know, most movies don't, but, but, you know, that's kind of what I was seeing that, you know, there was some backstory to why it seems so uh, disjointed, maybe for lack of a better term. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Though, Cause like Ivan Reitman, it's like, God, Ivan Reitman's just like an institution, especially in like 2001. Like, yeah. not like now where it's like, Oh, like, unless, unless he's going to like, because the weird thing with Ivan Reitman is like he has his name in so many different things, and or, or his name originally was tied to so many different things. Like now, mm-hmm. I can imagine it being hard for him to sit there get something like this. But in two thousand one, like this would have been a slam dunk for him to kind of take his time with it. And this is it feels like a paycheck movie for everybody. It's like oh, it's like it seems like fun and it's not too serious. Yet again, eighty like this costing eighty million dollars today would be absurd. Oh yeah, never mind in two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where did where do you where did that money go? The CGI? Most of the monsters are CGI, right? And then well, well no, I guess the uh, the underground cavern where the meteor lands, that's pretty that's all practical like 
you know, little fungi and, and smoke machines and stuff like that, right? Yeah, like the, the, like the, the CGI, you know, I, I don't know if the only thing I've ever released this on Blu-ray, but the DVD I had, which I think was like made, like, like pressed in like 2001, all the CGI looked good except for a couple instances. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't think anything looked really out of place. Like, oh, God, you look at like you look at 2000, like early 2000 CGI and you kind of have to like grit your teeth. <laughs> this, I thought everything yeah. here looked good. Um, I, I would imagine probably all your actors got a nice payday out of this. I would imagine David Duchovny got a nice payday. Okay. Um, again, I don't know. I don't think Orlando Jones or I mean, well, Julianne Moore had. Oh God, what was it? I think Hannibal came out that year. Mm. Sean William Scott was big off of American Pie. And uh, Dude, Where's My Car? Or was that later? I think it was the same year. Oh, or it was, okay. or it was just a little. It was either that year or a little bit earlier. Speaking of Dude, Where's My Car? I saw an episode of Shark Tank with Ashton Kutcher as one of the sharks, and that's the only thing I could think of was that movie. <laughs> Dude, what's my tattoo say? <laughs> Sweet. I haven't seen that in so long. <laughs> That's a. I remember. I used to, like. I remember going to it when I was younger. I went to a movie theater back when they used to have like the little like. Uh, oh god, the little paper inserts they put to let you know like where each theater like what movie was playing. Like today, everything's like LED boards. They can just type in whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But back when that, I remember seeing that being like. Oh, that's a real movie, apparently. <laughs> and because like I would watch things like oh god, because I had I had so many I, I'd rent so many things from Blockbuster back then. That always was like one of the previews in front of it. Okay, and it was like oh, it's like oh, that's real. And I remember like years later, I finally watched it and never realized just how weird that movie was. Like that's a weird ass movie. Yeah, I, I think I, I did the same thing. Like it was something I was just kind of mildly aware of. And maybe I saw parts of or the whole thing and I didn't, you know, get it or remember it because I was too young. But when I, you know, went back and watched it, um, in my college years, I was like, Oh wow, this is insane. <laughs> yeah, it's like in the same realm as like a Freddy got fingered. Like the, those types of movies come out, everyone just automatically discounts them as like, oh God, lowbrow trash. Yeah. Then, like years later you go back, like, oh my lord, there's something like again, surrealist masterpiece. It's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like there's something inexplicably brilliant about this. Like, oh, they actually gave these people millions of dollars to make something absurd. And they essentially got what they paid for. Like, and that's just one of the many examples of that, along with something like the cat in the hat, Freddie got fingered. Uh um, yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. So like, okay, we keep beating around the bush with this movie. But no, like when it comes to money, <laughs> um, yeah, I would imagine basically everybody everybody but Orlando Jones probably got a nice paycheck. Okay. Like maybe even he did. I don't know. Like at this time, he was showing up in things, so maybe he did. I, I think this is one of those instances where, like, oh, this is gonna be his big break. He's starring in a summer blockbuster mm-hmm. with all these like major talent, and it's like, oh, it didn't work out. And like, and considering how reactive Hollywood is, it's like, well, your career's over. Doesn't matter if you have talent or not. You were in one <laughs> thing. You're tainted now. Next. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. That's the Makes vibe sense. I get. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I think like we said, you know, he is uh, he is the the highlight of this film, I think, you know, that 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 uh, comedy that he brings to it. And, you know, even even right at the beginning, there were when he's just like, I don't know, I guess it, I don't know if it's ad libs or not. But, you know, I think he's talking to David Duchovny and he's like, the United States Geological Survey is good to pad my resume. But am I growing as a person? Am I growing as a Division three women's volleyball coach? <laughs> And that's before the scene where he, you see him coaching, and it's just like, what? <laughs> like, that's how they're introducing, like, he's having an existential crisis about his coaching. I don't know if this whole Geological Society gig is all it's cracked up to me. I mean, yeah, it pads on my resume, but am I growing as a person? Am I growing as a Division Three women's volleyball coach? 
<laughs> well, that's the fun thing about like, there are some small things in this, and that's just like it's weird. In a movie that's so filled with star power, like and even though like people like Ty like, Ty Burrell, this was his first movie credit. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Wow. So like I I get why someone like him's not being let off the chain, mm-hmm. but like you look at the star power in this, and yet there's there's some really clever lines of dialogue. Like, oh yeah. Like, and, and but like you said though, it's a weird thing. Like okay, did he ad lib that? Because yeah. some of the best one liners come like almost all the one liners come from him. Oh yeah, I love when he's uh when they like discover that they have aliens and he's saying to David Duchovny he's like does the Nobel Prize pay in installments or one lump sum and then David Duchovny says something like you know slow down like we're not there yet and he says I'm not getting ahead of myself I'm just worried about the tax consequences. <laughs> Is the Nobel Prize paid in installments or in a lump sum like the lottery? Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. My office. Look, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm concerned about the potential tax consequences. <laughs> yeah, like, like no, there's like even um oh yeah, like that's a, that's a great. I think there's so many great lines from him. Like even when they're in the department store and they're loading the guns, and Sean William Scott turns around to him, it's like, you ever fire one of these before? Hey, just because I'm a teacher, don't make me a pussy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like like that's a great line. And obviously, you could you couldn't say that today. Like that like that's like like I like to imagine like that should be a, like a, a YouTube series going through film scripts. And just m- modernizing them for the for the new for the new millennia, and just crossing out all these like like you show the scene, like you read a line of dialogue, show the clip from the movie. Well, he's, you have a giant like black sharpie or a red sharpie. You just cross it out. It's like that <laughs> that wouldn't work. And and there's a lot of things like that. Even with uh, like how we're first introduced to him in this, where he's like what um, advising Nadine, mm-hmm. and he's like uh, like things are tight, Nadine, but not too tight. Yeah, and then David Duchovny shows up, and it's like, was I interrupting something? And like, and like, whoever it is like, they, he's about the scene's about to end, and he like glances over because earlier in that scene, it's like I forget the exact line of dialogue, but like it's something hinting at that like he's I don't want to say that he's involved with her, mm-hmm. but like it's hinting in that direction, but it's it's kept for the most part ambiguous. And oh then, yeah, like, it, and then at the very end is like he's about to walk out of his like off where we would call it like uh. Oh God, we call it classroom yep. with David Coveney, and he has his back. He makes like some like winky notion or like flexes his eyebrows, and it's like, oh, okay, so clearly he he's got the hots <laughs> for her. Yeah, and even there's even the one thing where Sean William Scott, like when they're in the diner, he's like, so I have a question about your your coaching volleyball, uh huh. So you get to watch the girls take showers, or, <laughs> and he's like, "Of course, sometimes I shower with them." And he does not like he doesn't like roll his eyes, like he's saying the line a hundred percent straight. Oh yeah, it's great. It, so um, about the coaching girls volleyball, mm-hmm. do you ever get to see them take showers? Yeah, all the time. Sometimes I shower with them. You're kidding, right? It's like well. Like considering how like sexually charged this character is, is there like something like that wouldn't be allowed today? It'd be like, nope, can't have that. Even if exactly. it's ambiguous, can't have that. Might offend somebody. You're pointing in the wrong direction. And it's like, oh god, no wonder why all we get now is like an Amy Schumer comedy once a year, and, th- and that's <laughs> that's comedy. Like again, the, the phrase Amy Schumer comedy. There's not a quote enough quotation marks in the universe to put around the word comedy. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like uh, I haven't even, I haven't seen or heard about a comedy getting released in theaters in a long, long time. And it used to be so, uh, they used to be so prolific with comedies. Well, they still make comedies, but they're just not allowed to be funny anymore because you might offend somebody. 
Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Sure. Like, I guess, like, I, what was I doing? Um, it's weird. This was for Captain Feminism. Prior to that, they had a trailer. I don't know the name of the movie is, but it stars Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. And I think they're supposed to, both supposed to be con artists. Oh, and, yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I remember. I saw that trailer in front of something. Probably Alita, I had to guess. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah, that was, I think, the last thing I saw. Yeah, it, that made me think it's the, um, uh, like the the female version of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. That's what that trailer made me think of. That they're yeah. con artists and they're they get into like cahoots with each other, then they are going to compete with each other to some extent. Yeah, and like and, and something like that too. Again, it's a la- it's weird because like, if you're going to make a comedy, because at one scene that which I thought was really funny is like Rebel. I guess like uh, I don't know Anne Hathaway is like trying. To, you have to be inconspicuous. Mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway's at like uh, oh my lord, it's either a roulette table. Or a poker table, sure. and she shows up. Rebel Wilson's like obviously like pretending like she's blind. She has the cane. She's banging around, <laughs> trying to feel her way. And she grabs obviously Anne Hathaway's chest. He's, and she's like, "Excuse me, little boy, can you move out of the way, please?" <laughs> and it's like, okay, you can. And I can't imagine the writers' room for that. It's like, okay, we can make fun of her for not having a very developed female or very, oh god, what would you call it, a voluptuous female mm-hmm. form. But the whole theme of the movie is women empowerment. And it's like, okay, so, so there's that trade-off. It's yeah. like, okay, we can have that joke, but overall we're about women empowerment, so people won't attack us. And then even there's another joke where like they're looking for Rebel Wilson, and she's like outside, and they're like, oh, you lost her! And they turn around and go inside, and like around the entire door is a bunch of trash bags. And then all of a sudden, like one of the trash bags starts to move, and it's her, and she's wearing like a pleather black dress. <laughs> and she's like, it works every time and it's like oh like again we can make fun of her for being fat and overweight but again the overall theme is women girl power so no one will come after us for it and with something like this you go to oh god what would it be um i think another joke in here that would be considered inappropriate Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Nadine stuff is uh, rather pro. Oh, the oh, the Julianne Moore, the uh, they call Ira. Oh, Ira! yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the humorless ice queen in need of a good humping. Like, nope. No, oh my God, you're having a woman that's the head of the CDC. And you're making jokes about. It's like there's not a fat enough red sharpie to cross that out yeah. with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It, oh man, <laughs> and that and that's the problem with com- like, you're like I, even, I forget who I was talking. About. It might have been you off mic where it's like oh you think about like different comedians throughout the decades like oh 60s and 70s you have carlin and richard pryor mm-hmm. the 80s you sit there have oh god who would be a good 80s comedian i'm trying to think off the top of my head oh my gosh oh god who'd be a good 80s comedian uh man whatever 80s aside sure. <laughs> we'll think of somebody a brain fart 90s you have jerry seinfeld yep. you have people of his ilk 2000s you have the louis ck's the carlos mencia's the mm-hmm. Andrew Reagan, or Regan, whatever his name is. And then you get to like this decade, and it's like there's no comedians anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, like don't get me wrong, there's still comedians doing sets in like comedy clubs, but like they can't go national. Like, when's the last time you saw an HBO special for like an up and coming comedian? Again, unless it's Amy Schumer, where she's just, you can't go after her because A, uh, the, the culture police have deemed her. Priceless. Never mind. Mm-hmm. She's also the niece of a U.S. senator. That, that nobody ever talks about that either. Oh, I didn't know but, that. <laughs> you didn't know that she's the niece of Char- uh, Chuck Schumer. Uh, oh, I guess that makes sense. But I never uh, made the connection because I think about both of them very, very little. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think about though, like the the most noteworthy comedian of the last nine years is Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Like, let that sink in. 
Like yeah, that's that's rough. Sad. I don't care if you like Amy <laughs> Schumer. She is not like I don't care what century you're living in. She is not top fifty. She's not like, and that's the sad thing. She's get she's the number one of the decade, just because there's nobody else. Like Comedy Central doesn't even do comedy. Uh, oh my god, stand up anymore. Wow, wow, and and yeah, you know that's uh, you're making me think about it. You know, there's not really any. Uh... Or it's very rare, I guess, these days for a comedian to kind of, you know, blow up and and get a, a TV show or a, or a movie or something like that. Like it used to be. Uh, it still happens, of course. But, you know, like Zach's been saying, with with something of certainly a different caliber. Um, but it used to happen all the time. It would be like, oh, you're a great comedian. So let's get you into the films, you know, and let's kick start your movie career. Yeah, like, again, it used to be back in the day. Like you, you, you would be a, a do uh, some comedy sets. You get really mm. prolific. And then like, the big thing was you got invited on to again was usually Johnny Carson. That was like the big time again. That's how a lot of them kind of got their uh, notoriety. Yeah, yeah. And then um, yeah, and that's kind of well, I guess someone like Jay Leno would be I guess an eighties comedian. I guess. Oh, like, okay, okay. That's a yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Letterman, people like him, where he really again, I know I'm going to the late night talk show thing again, but yeah, that's kind of your thing. But yeah, it's like you kind of like you like like you hear um like Chris Rock, like Chris Rock, like you really don't like, you know Dave Chappelle every once in a while you hear him doing stand up again. Yeah, and every time he does, he gets into trouble. It's like, yeah. like Dave Chappelle will do a set in New York or California, and like the very next day there'll be like a uh, a BuzzFeed or Vox article saying like Dave Chappelle's thoughts on. Acts are troublesome yeah. for the culture It's like oh my god It's like <clears throat> stop it It's like good lord like can the media Finally just burn down it's like It's like this dumpster <laughs> fire it's like the Simpsons tire Fire it just never goes out Yeah, yeah it never stops burning <laughs> It's like good lord the media dumpster fire But uh yeah so like, like that's That's kind of the main thing I took away from this because a lot, like, I don't even know what to call the humor Of evolution like it's so Scatter shot because it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you're trying to be like Ghostbusters, where you have a bunch of like unlikely people coming together. It does have that Ghostbusters vibe because clearly David Duchovny, Orlando Jones, Julianne Moore, the professionals, and Sean William Scott's kind of the the layman schmuck. Yeah, very similar to Ghostbusters and with Ernie Hudson, him kind of just be like, like, oh, uh, so you saw the ad in the paper? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and that's more or less what it is. Because I forgot about how late Sean William Scott becomes like part of their team. Like it is late into the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's um probably yeah what halfway or even further when he uh, finds the dead thing on his golf course. Yep. Yeah, because even prior to that, like you said, it's like oh, first he wants to be the fireman, then he works at the the pool or the the country club. Yeah. And then it's like okay, he finds and they don't even show us, show him finding it. It's said through a line of dialogue. He's like oh this this rich sob dot got eaten by this thing on the golf course and he just started choking to death. Yeah. And that's and again, like, it's weird. Like, Julianne Moore's kind of sprinkled throughout the most of this, mm -hmm. but even still, like, the government doesn't really get involved until at least twenty five percent of the way into the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of surprised by the, I think that same thing where um, the movie kind of you know just ramped up pace at a certain point. Like when the you know it's it's kind of like everything's spread out fairly well, or you know maybe not fairly well, but pretty uniformly. And then maybe you know at the forty percent, fifty percent mark, it really just starts ramping up. And I was even thinking, I was like, I, I know what happens in this movie, and there's not that much time left. They're gonna fit all that in there. <laughs> well, that's well, that's the weird thing about me though. It's like, I, and I guess it has to do with the fact that I know every plot, or like uh, the plot beats of this. Where mm -hmm. I was getting bored because I'm like, okay, let's move it along here. Sure. Let's move it along. And I just because there's weird, there's like weird moments in this that feel like 
going back to my original point that it's piecemeal, it feels like a lot of things were taken out or they changed things much later. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't imagine anybody giving Ivan Reitman $80 million for this. That feels like <laughs> a budget that's been inflated because they had to go back and fix things. Okay. Because, like, there's – oh, I'm trying to think of a really – okay, there was – I don't know because like I feel like there's certain moments in this where it's like okay we go from here we go from there and it just it, like things are moving and it doesn't make sense like like that was like what after they kill the the dinosaur alien in the mall mm-hmm. they like there's like a scene afterwards where like they're, they're singing play that funky music, yeah white boy and then it cuts to like news footage. And it's like there's like it's like all these people like describing like their firsthand experiences with the aliens. And this mm-hmm. one, like one of the guys is like a construction worker. And he's like like he pulled like he's like the alien came out of the ground, tried <laughs> to grab my privates, but I'm yeah. the way. He holds up like his bloody like bandaged hand, and I'm like, what? Why is this here? Yeah, <laughs> like it's just an inexplicable scene. It's like like oh like we haven't had other news footage in this. Mm-hmm. And then then there's the weird like one off scene with Sarah Silverman. In the shirts. Oh, as the ex-girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, it's I like... I those shirts back, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually went through the deleted scenes for this on my DVD, trying to figure out if there'd be any more, like, clues to this. Mm-hmm. And, and they did cut... They did cut some... Um, oh, God. It's weird thing. They didn't cut subplots. They cut, like, half of subplots out. Okay. Like, the very opening scene of the film is Sarah Silverman leaving David Duchovny. Oh, he's like living in like an apartment or a house, and it's just like like oh god. The best way to describe it would be imagine Matthew McConaughey's house from True Detective. It's legit, just like a mattress on the floor, (laughs) and that's it. And she's like, she has like a suitcase, and she's like packing everything. And she's like, I'm tired of like you being like a schlub. It's like when I first met you, I thought you were so much better than this place, and now I realize you're worse. Which ties mm-hmm. into the over. It gives much more foreshadowing in a basis for what his whole thing with like working for like the CIA was. Okay, but it's like oh, so I'm like why don't because there's a couple. It's like the scenes basically start off with him, and he's just like all you do now is like scratch your balls and yawn or like look <laughs> bored, and he does that, and it's like oh, and then that's and that's like the very first thing. He's like I want those shirts back. And it's like, okay, clearly that was set up in the very beginning of the movie, and they cut it out. Gotcha. And I'm like, oh, then like, how could, but the problem though is I would imagine they probably looked at it and be like, okay, we need to cut the entire shirt subplot out, but we can't because otherwise they don't, they don't know how to get to the house where the alien attack. Yeah, yeah, because so the cop has the radio. Yep, okay. Yeah, so like, I feel there's a button. There's another scene too when it comes to, uh, um, oh God, Buffalo Bill and Ty Burrell, <laughs> where like, it takes place before. They decide to napalm everything, mm-hmm. where they're like, "Oh, clearly we over we, uh, uh, oh my lord, uh, underestimated the spread of the aliens." How, so it's like, "How are we going to get rid of all these?" And there's like a discussion they have about like, "Oh, how can we hide this?" And it's like, "Oh, so it's like it leads up to like the scene where like, oh, we're going to use lots of napalm." And okay. it's like, oh, so there's a scene like that. it's like, oh, and that's why it feels like there was a lot of like they wanted to cut some subplots out of this, mm-hmm. but they didn't know how. Like it's like, okay, <laughs> we want to cut this out, but if we cut this out, we're gonna have to either reshoot something or yeah. we can't release the movie because it's a gaping. Like how do the characters get from like point three to four? Sure. Okay. No, that makes yeah, that makes sense, and I think it's um it's it's noticeable when you spend some time thinking about it for sure. Yeah, because there's even some. Like even the they had there was original different ending for the movie which I didn't oh. know about how it ends instead of the fake head and shoulders commercial, okay. Which, which we should point out according to IMDb trivia, who knows if it's true? 
Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman, who directed the greatest comedy of, of, <laughs> of, of the millennia, Men, Women, and Children, suggested that he replace the ending with the fake head and shoulders commercial. But the original ending was um, it's it's David Duchovny and Julianne Moore going into the cab of the fire truck to uh, for David Duchovny to give her the cane madness, mm-hmm. which might be my favorite euphemism for sex ever. Yeah, the cane and madness. The cane madness. That's definitely going to be an item on the Cinemodies menu. <laughs> and um, goes from that scene, and it's like, oh, David Duchovny and Julianne Moore like in a hospital. And she's like, oh, it's like, oh, I'm concerned, but like, it seems like everything's okay. And she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. Cause I think it says like eight months later. Sure. And it's like, and, and she's like, oh, he's like, oh, but like, shouldn't we be concerned? Isn't this a little unusual? And then, oh God, he, he's, he's, a, he's a prolific actor, but how I know him best from his most famous role is from Transformers is Shia LaBeouf's dad. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, he shows up as a doctor and he's like, oh, uh, your friend's gonna be just fine, and we go into like a hospital room, and it's Orlando Jones on his stomach with like his butt sticking in the air. Is Sean William Scott is like rubbing his hand, being like, "It's all right, it'll be okay." <sighs> Apparently, the the little dragonfly alien like inseminated him somehow, but he's pregnant in his butt. Okay. And so it's like, okay, we're going to have to, uh, I, I think we can deliver this baby now. And it's like, and, and, and this doctor pulls out the same like forceps. Yeah. And it's like, and the doctor comes in with like, 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 like I'm not joking. It, it, oh God, I'll do a screenshot of it and send it to you or put it somewhere where people can find it. <laughs> she has like a cock gun, but instead of cock, it's labeled lube. It's like, <laughs> she's like, I got the lube. <laughs> uh, and it's like, and then like, he wakes up from a dream going, ah! And like it's like oh it's supposed to be a dream. And then like okay. he gets out of bed to use the bathroom, and his butt is like just as inflated as it was in the previous scene. He goes oh, into the geez. bathroom, you hear like the toilet seat like go down. Then like it's like one, two, three, and he screams, and it's cut to black. And I'm like, this is so weird. Yeah, that sounds super strange. Definitely, it's really weird. Like, even like weirder than the Head and Shoulders ad that always ends this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like there's like there's like this movie just it. It doesn't like I get why this didn't make money. Like I guess we should say like like for the three other films in the failed blockbuster series, we have Watchmen, which definitely has a niche following. God's Egypt was attacked because it didn't conform to the media narrative. Okay. And the cat in the hat everyone just disregards is some weird like some piece of just bizarro over sexualized kitty film. Mm-hmm. And this is like this weird example where it's like, oh, it's a type of failed cine- failed blockbuster, yeah, failed blockbuster cinemati where it's like no one's ever looked at this at the way we're looking at. It. Everyone just kind of like disregarded it, like just okay. straight out of the gate. Sure, sure, yeah. I, I don't. I honestly, I don't think I've ever talked about this movie uh, with anyone other than you, Zach. <laughs> we're breaking new ground again, folks. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Okay, right on, right on. Uh, I don't know how I would have felt about that ending over the Head and Shoulders one, uh, the other Head and Shoulders commercial. Um, but I kind of feel like the entire like l- what last fifteen twenty minutes of the movie is a Head and Shoulders commercial. <laughs> Why well, like, did somebody describe the science of this movie as if uh, Amish fundamentalist <laughs> their, their understanding of the periodic table? Oh yeah, well that yeah that was definitely. I think even when I was younger, I was like, this doesn't make any sense because, I mean, he could have picked, David Duchovny could have looked at the periodic table and found, like, any pattern from carbon to something that's poisonous to humans. Like, there's more than just arsenic on the periodic table that's poisonous to humans. 
yeah, it feels like a little bit like like an aha moment, like almost like Star Trek science, where it's like, oh, like we're gonna explain it in the most simple like terms possible. Yeah, yeah, and they don't because uh, once they David Duchovny has this moment, and they're like, oh, where are we gonna get that much selenium? And then you know they go off and uh, they start filling the fire truck with it. There's no scene where they like test this out at all, right? Like that's missing with the yeah in the lab, and that's what I've always. But I think even back when, that's something that confused me because they should do that. Before they get, you know, all this head and shoulders and fill a fire truck with it, they should see if it works. And I think that scene would have been good in the movie. Yeah, there are some, like, some connective tissue missing. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just the whole idea, like, the movie's not concerned with that. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah, <laughs> they I just want to show off more, uh, more CGI and crazy creatures. Yeah, I think it's more, again, with the laughs. That's what I think yeah. it is. Okay, okay. Yeah, because the scene goes into you know that's it's like where are we gonna get that much selenium at two in the morning, and it's the it's the the brothers the dumb students they're like oh we can get that no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. they're pretty funny like that's like like they they're used very sparingly. Oh yeah, 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 and that's kind of like I don't know there, there's so many just weird disjointed things in this that just don't like like add up at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And so that that being said, um, I think one of the, you know, like you said, they're going for the laughs. I definitely also think that, you know, they they have they make good use of the of the different creatures in this movie. And I think you said it already in this discussion that the, the CGI holds up, except in a few spots. And I felt that way as well. I really love some of the creatures in this movie. I think the one that I don't like, uh, or I like the least would be the, the dinosaur pterodactyl looking one. Cause it is just, you know, a pterodactyl. Yeah. But you know, even, um, like the, the blue, the blue apes or whatever near the end, the fuzzy no nose chimp. Yeah. The, fu the fuzzy no nose chimp. And that, that thing in the woman's closet that they think is a dog. Oh, but they're like, yeah. no, it's, and they're like, no, it's a muskrat. And then it, when it opens its mouth, a turkey head pops out. <laughs> That's, those are really cool. Uh, maybe this is the predecessor to, to uh, Thanks Killing. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they uh, took that uh, idea and they were like, oh, this should be the, the creature. Or maybe if they make a Thanks Killing 5, because I'm, I'm imagining if they did a Thanks Killing, a Thanks Killing 3, the next one will be 5. <laughs> maybe the, the demon turkey will... You know, possess that that dog-like thing, and we'll get ah, to see <laughs> clever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some of the actually, some of the creatures are funny. Like I like the little the little um, the little lobster one. Like like where David the company's like snag it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Snag one. Oh, it's yeah. like snack them. It's like a little lots like, oh come here, honey, come here, my little. And it gets like eaten by the one with the big butt. And it's like mm. again, and that's funny too. It's like you go, oh, you, ch check this out, Ira. And it's like it's not it, it's nothing but ass. Who does yeah. that remind you of? It's like, Yeah. <laughs> well, even there's the scene too with uh Julianne Moore, and she's like like she like the whole thing with her being a klutz. Yep. Like I, I that's another weird one. It's like, why is that a thing? Yeah, there's that one scene where you know we see her leave a car she closes the door and it catches her jacket in the door so she has to open the door again but then she proceeds to immediately walk into a door <laughs> and it's just like oh okay you know i guess that's our establishing shot that she's in her at her hotel or whatever but you know that that's it's like the two jammed so close together i thought was a little strange yeah because apparently again uh, the imd trivia section which is never wrong <laughs> is saying that was her idea oh okay 
Yeah, and it's like, okay, I guess nobody told her no. Yeah, interesting. They're like, just just go with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. It's 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 weird. Like I I don't know. It's just and plus she's wearing like the garter belt, and they make a like they make like a note of that. Like what an interesting choice of like underwear to wear. Yeah, and it's like oh, it's like. But like that's never established. Like she's any sort of like I don't know nymphomaniac or overly sexualized, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, like I don't know. I feel like that's another part of the subplot that was cut out. Where like she's like a little bit like comes on to him because I know there's the one scene with them in the courtroom, and she's cross examining him. Mm-hmm. But he's much more sexually charged in that in that scene than she is. Yes, like he seems to be into her ever since. Oh god, what would it be? I'm trying to think the exact because all of a sudden he's like a hundred percent into her, and it doesn't make any sense why. Mm, you're right. You're right. It comes out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, because like that, again, Orlando Jones is the uh, comedic relief. David Duchovny is the straight man. Sean William Scott is just the the everyday schmuck, mm-hmm. and Julianne Moore is again a smart scientist woman. You know, we really don't see her do anything smart. Yeah, and it's just I don't know because like. I, I don't know. I, I, I can I can pretty much figure out every character except David Duchovny's because like he's not really looking for redemption. He just seems like a guy sleepwalking through a movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they kind of like you said before with the Salver uh, Salver Sarah Silverman scene that got cut out. You know that would have added a little more depth to that that arc of his. And I they try and do it with the Kane Madness stuff and you know why he got kicked out of the the military research. Um, but it, yeah, you're right. You know, it's it's not really um, you fleshed out well enough to to you know care about that character or to understand you know what he's really dealing with. Yeah, it's 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 weird because like you have this thing like okay, he wants back in the military, and that's why he has a colonel's uniform. Mm-hmm. Yet, like they go down there. And I, I don't know, it just, it feels like, I don't even, cause sometimes you watch movies and it feels like, oh, it's just a bunch of like set pieces put together. Like this doesn't feel like Ghostbusters with Melissa McCarthy where it's just like, okay, we're going to uh, use the Ghostbusters name to make our own movie and try to very loosely tie it into Ghostbusters lore. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like, okay, we're like, it's just ad lib the movie. This feels like it had, like, especially with all the special effects, it had a thought process there. Yeah. But maybe I don't know. Like maybe they did have special effects and they had to kind of like work around that. I, I, I guess this is really like an inexplicable. Like, like, again, I know during Gods of Egypt, I'm like, oh, I don't know how to talk about this movie because of how weird it is. <laughs> and I look at this and I'm like, well, there's not really enough to talk about here. Like it's just be basically talking about why it misfired. Like I get why this didn't make a lot of money. Like mm. I get why people were kind of being like, because I can't. I, I was looking up reviews for this and to answer your question about popular opinion. Sure. It has from critics. It has a forty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. It has a forty-seven from the audience, so that's mm-hmm. that's not good. Mm-hmm. And on Metacritic, it has a a forty a forty. Okay. So a little bit better than than uh, oh about the same as Rotten Tomatoes. But I looked up like Roger Ebert was one of the very few critics that actually gave this like a positive review. Oh. And, and what he basically says is, I can't recommend Evolution, but I have a sneaky a sneaky affection for it. <laughs> it's not good, but it's nowhere near as bad as most re- recent comedies. It has real laughs, but it misses real opportunities. For example, by giving us aliens who are sort of harmless, it sets up a situation where the heroes should be trying to protect them. But no. Everybody wants to kill them, apparently because the national psyche has reverted to the 1950s when all flying saucers were automatically fired on by the army. <laughs> Interesting. That's like, yeah, like, like I, I certainly didn't get that vibe from it, but it's like, 
I don't know. Like that's that's a weird take of it, but I don't really. And actually, that's one of the more positive reviews. Not a lot okay. of positive things to say about this. Yeah, I, I like I like that mentality of you know it's like I don't know if I could recommend this movie, but I have this weird affinity for it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think, what it falls into in terms of for my categories. Yeah. Uh, okay, the last paragraph of Roger Ebert's review is, would it surprise you if I said that after 90 minutes of preparation, we discovered that the entire movie has been leading up to a moment when the Orlando Jones character finds himself occupying the business end of a giant alien's digestive tract? Not if you have a sense of fair play. Earlier in the movie, a little alien crawls under Jones's skin and lodges in his intestines, inspiring emergency measures by a doctor who cries, there's no time for lubricant, inspiring Jones to utter the best line in the movie, there's always time for lubricant. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> All right, give me some forceps. I might be able to catch it in his colon. How are you going in? Rectally. <laughs> I'll get the lubricant. There's no time for lubricant. There's always time for lubricant! Yeah, it's like, looking at the comments to this, this is from Roger Ebert's site, which was like all of his stuff was taken from, uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times, which is what he wrote for for most of his career. Okay. It says, uh, like, it's like three years ago, it was a great movie. I, and another comment was, I, I saw it in theaters, I got the DVD, it's such a funny movie. Like, I guess this is the, the definition of like a cult movie now. Oh, like, sure. I, 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 It does have its following. Like, it's not like Freaked where nobody's aware of it, but... I think this is something that people are aware of. Yeah, it's just, you have to either, I think a lot of it's just if you had to be there at the time. I cannot imagine a 12-year-old watching this in the age of, oh, God, so much Netflix garbage that's out there. Uh, Ah, yeah. Again, I can't imagine anybody 12 years old or, like, 50 watching this, like, out of the blue one day (laughs) and liking it. I think this is either a movie you're on board for in the time it was released, Mm -hmm. or it's just, you know what, it's never going to click with you. And considering how narrow, it's kind of like threading a needle when it comes to trying to get an audience. Sure. I feel this is kind of destined for obscurity. Okay, okay. Or yeah. not destined, it's, it's doomed to obscurity. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, because I don't, like I said, I caught it on HBO, but I, I, I think you said it best. You know, you're not going to find someone who's going to, you know, watch this out of the blue and, and fall in love with it. Um well, yeah, I haven't seen it, you know, on any streaming services ever. Not that I went looking for it, but, you know, I definitely feel like I've been in categories where this should have popped up. But maybe it's somewhere in the depths of Netflix or Hulu, who knows, but uh, it's not getting recommended at all. Yeah, I'm looking up right now and see maybe if I can find it somewhere. But that's the weird thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I would imagine this would probably, like, if you, I don't know if uh, Ghostbusters is on Netflix. I have no idea. But it, if if you probably watch Netflix on Hulu and they had access to this, they probably recommend it just just based on the on, on just how similar it is to Ghostbusters and the people involved with it. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I'm not sure about Ghostbusters either. If they're on uh, any of the streaming services, who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird like that. <laughs> Definitely weird like that. I love it. <laughs> So we were we were talking about the star power before this movie. Um, I, I had never picked up on it because I think when I was watching this movie when I was younger, it was before I knew more about him. But one of the police officers at the beginning um, is Kyle Gass from Tenacious oh, D, yeah. the Pick I of Destiny. I saw him in the credits, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw when there was the one scene, I think they come up to them or the – when they're like taking pictures, the cops, the like the local officers are taking pictures around the meteorite that that landed, and I was like, "Is that?" I was like, "Is that Kyle Gass?" And I looked it up, and yeah, he was a uh, he, and I kind of realized he had a lot of small roles in a bunch of things. So I probably have seen him more than uh, 
I've realized, and this is one of those movies. I think the same can be said for um, Ty Burrell. Like, I didn't really, you know, notice Ty Burrell until Modern Family came around. And when that happened, I did not remember that he was in this movie. Uh, probably because, you know, he had such a small part. Um, but at the same time, well, I don't remember when I was watching Monk, but I didn't, I didn't make the connection between Monk with uh, Ted Levine in this either. So I'm, I'm kind of just you know, coming to the realization that I, I, I know I spent so much time watching this movie uh, when I was younger, but I didn't remember anyone who was in it. I guess I remember you know, David Duchovny and Orlando Jones, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, this was clearly being positioned as like the comedic blockbuster of the summer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it was definitely being primed for that. Because even like as, as Rob knows, my uh, my affinity for the the summer of two thousand one, just like dissecting that. Yeah. If you go back and look at like what was popular that summer, Freddie got what, fingered. Well, that, that, I don't think that was was that that summer. Was it? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was two thousand one. Oh, the summer. I'm not sure. Yeah, the yeah, summer. I'm not sure. Okay, let's see. We're good, folks. I know Rob hates it when we stop the podcast to look up information, but we're going to do that right now for <laughs> Freddie Got Fingered. All right, Freddie Got Fingered came out April twentieth, two thousand one. So right before the summer started, okay, it, it opened to seven million dollars, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> how, it, how, it, how, do you know how many theaters by any chance? Um. 2,200 theaters. That's oh, insane. That's in, that would be insane today. <laughs> like if, the, if a movie like that got opened in over 1,000 theaters, it would be kind of mind-blowing. But 2,200, wow. And only 7 million, okay. 7 million. And, and it grossed a total of $14 million on a budget of $14 million. <laughs> that probably That probably got into the got into the black eventually. Enough people probably rented that. Okay. They probably didn't mark. I would imagine they didn't market that movie a lot. So they probably got again. That was back when they still had to send like prints and like posters to everybody to advertise. Mm-hmm. So they they probably are in the, they eventually they probably got into the black on that. Not quickly, but, but they probably yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I uh, hope I hope they did. And you see, and on top of the fact that Rob and I have another YouTube series, on top of the going through movie scripts of the last fifty years and crossing out things that are politically incorrect, <laughs> we're gonna have a new series called. Um, Fox films that now did or films that Disney now owns that you never knew were Fox titles. <laughs> and Rob, guess what? Guess Freddy what? got fingered. Freddy got fingered is a Fox movie. So guess who owns it now? I hope it's going to be on the streaming service. Can you imagine that? Like, can you imagine watching Freddy got fingered on Disney Plus? I wanna, I want it to come on right after I finish watching the holiday special on Disney Plus, <laughs> and then afterwards watch Song of the South. Yeah, there you go. There you go. When is that? When is Disney Plus dropping? I wanna, I wanna watch Freddie Got Fingered somewhere other than my copy. <laughs> <laughs> At the uh, tentative, I think quarter, uh, what quarter one? It's so I guess it's the very end of the year. Or no, quarter four, quarter four okay. is the end of the year. Okay, okay, man, the world's gonna change. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's oh my god! I, I, that makes me so freaking angry. Like we're never gonna get that. Blue. Like Fox would be stupid enough to release Freddy Got Fingered on Blu-ray. Disney is <laughs> never good. I guess the sad thing. So unless you have a physical copy of Freddy Got Fingered, Disney's never gonna do anything with that. Mm-hmm. They are never. Like, they will never a pour any resources into like remastering it, and two, they will never do anything with it because they're afraid of the backlash they would get. It's like, oh my god, like. It, oh. Comcast at least would do, would be stupid enough to do something like that. <laughs> oh never man, again. folks! If you have a Freddy Got Finger DVD, just hang on to it for dear life. Don't ever let it go. It's gonna be a relic one day. <laughs> it really will be. Like you're gonna find like there's like the the Holy Grail, the Miracle Buffalo, 
Um, <laughs> a DVD copy of Freddy Got Fingered. In a hundred years, it'll, yeah. be, it'll be on Unsolved Mysteries. It'll be uh, someone came across a Freddy Got Fingered uh, physical release. Oh, that'd be so cool. And I guess, well, since we're talking about Disney, every time we do, I have to ask the question, do they own Cinemodities yet? Do they buy us out? Not yet. Not to be yet? fair, okay. we, haven't, we haven't provided enough value yet. Until they can make a theme park attraction off of us, they're not going to do that. The restaurant would be the theme park attraction. <laughs> It'll be the new Rainforest Cafe. They're going to take out all the Rainforest Cafes and install Cinemodities restaurants. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll get right on board with all the stuff we've talked about on this, <laughs> on this podcast. It's all, it's all family-friendly. <sighs> so, okay, going through the summer of 2001, uh, starting with the first weekend of May, this was the top three at the box office. Okay. The Mummy Returns. Oh, I think I saw that in theaters. Driven with Sylvester Stallone. Oh. In Bridget Jones's Diary. Wow, okay. <laughs> okay. The next weekend, The Mummy Returns is still number one. Okay. A Knight's Tale with uh, Heath Dedger, I mean oh, Ledger. Oh. I've never never seen that. Neither have I. And then third still is Bridget Jones, Bridget Jones' Diary. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, here's the top three for May 18th through the 20th. Shrek. Ah, uh, okay. The Mummy Returns. A Knight's Tale. Mm. Next weekend, Pearl Harbor, Shrek, The Mummy Returns. Okay. <laughs> the next week, Pearl Harbor, Shrek, The Animal, starring Rob Schneider. Oh, right. That's a, that, I was like, there's a moment where I was like, what's the animal? And then it came back to me. And then after that, um, then the weekend that Evolution came out, the number one was Swordfish. With really? John Travolta and Hugh Jackman, yeah. Um, number two was Shrek. Number three was Pearl Harbor, and uh, fourth was Evolution. Oh, Evolution came in fourth. Okay, okay. Man, uh, yes, I haven't seen Swordfish in forever, but that's the movie where they're just like, we need to, we need it to look cool and high tech, so just type really fast. <laughs> oh man, I found a mistake on Box Office Mojo. If you go from uh, the weekend of June first. It's Shrek's second weekend. Then you go to the Evolution weekend, which is June eighth. The right. Shrek, the Shrek thing is wrong. It should say weekend number three. Uh oh. And it says two. I found a mistake. Where's where do I get my free Big Mac? <laughs> yeah, you got to write in, and they'll send you back a dollar. <laughs> All these weird movies that came out in the summer of two thousand. When you have Moulin Rouge, you have Memento. You have Oh Brother, Where Out, th- Where Art Thou? Oh wow! See, that Rob, came out the I... same summer as Memento. Yeah, Lara wow. Croft, Tomb Raider. I never would have um, guessed that these fa- movies came out the same summer. The, the first Fast and Furious movie. Oh back man! When, back when they went from like they went from Nuclear Armageddon to where they originally started stealing DVD players. <laughs> Everybody forgets that's the plot of that first movie. They were stealing DVD players. Nice. Doc, Dr. Doolittle 2. Okay. AI Artificial Intelligence. Mm. Another weird-ass movie. Uh, Cats and Dogs. Scary okay. Movie 2. <laughs> Legally Blonde. Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. The Score with Marlon Brando. Oh, yep. Jurassic Park 3. Ooh. Planet of the Apes with Marky Mark. Yep. Rush Hour 2, The Princess Diaries. Okay. American Cue the ABBA Pi- music. <laughs> 
Um, American Pie 2, The Others, Osmosis Jones, where like Bill Murray eats like a rotten egg. Rat Race. Oh, yeah, that's right. Rat Race. That's been on my list of stuff to talk about for a while. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. (laughs) Rob, this series needs to happen. Jeepers Creepers. Remember, then also remember that movie O with like Josh Harnett and like Julia Stiles about like it was like Othello. Oh, yeah. School shootings. I I I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Rob, we have to do the summer 2001 series. I don't know. You're making a compelling argument because I so- like like I said before, I never would have guessed that these movies came out anywhere close to each other. And they all came out in the summer before 9/11. <laughs> yep. What a time. Oh my God, Rob. There's there's so many important things here. Like <laughs> there are. I, I I feel like there's. I, like it feels like the the Bible code again. The blockbusters of 2001 were the the. <laughs> We're warning us of the danger that lay ahead. <laughs> so, so, who's the guy from the, the the Bible Code, the the charlatan that we were laughing at that entire episode? Yeah, I don't remember his name, but I I know exactly what you're talking about. Where Whoever's, everything he says is, you know, this is encoded by, you know, and so it's like the the upcoming, you know, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, war, you know, going into nine uh, eleven and all that stuff. That was encoded by swordfish. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what was his name? Um, oh my God, where is it? I just had his name, Michael Drosnin. Okay, yep, yep. And like, and we'll have a great quote. Like, the world will end in either two thousand two or two thousand six. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, one man. or the other. It can't be wrong. Yeah, I've hedged my bets. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. That's. I feel like the summer of two thousand one is telling us this. Maybe, maybe when Cinemodies does its own version, like uh, in the summer of twenty twenty one. For the twentieth anniversary of all this, we'll, we'll, we'll every every week for that entire summer we'll go through the blockbusters. That's not a bad uh, that's not a bad thought. Twenty year anniversary series. <laughs> two years from now, folks. If, keep that in mind. If you support Cinematis for the next two years, you too can hear us talk about oh the Othello <laughs> school shooter film with Julia Stiles and Josh Harnett. <laughs> oh man! If there ever was a Cinemati just based off a synopsis, there you go. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> Anything else about evolution? Because I have, I did some raw, I did a, a little bit of research. I have an interesting factoid for you. Ooh, okay. Uh, from my end, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I, I rewatched this movie and, and I think Zach said it best way back at the start that it's a, it's a fairly shallow movie. Uh, it is, it is pretty, you know, nothing real deep about it. And yeah, it's just kind of there, you know? <laughs> Well, before I get into my factoid, one of the things sure. I found interesting too is that there's like a weird number of just like needle drop moments in this mm-hmm. on the soundtrack where like a song will start playing like out of nowhere. Sure. Like we, we have like at the, 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 the country club, we have the pop song, which I like because of course, why wouldn't I like it? It's yeah. early 2000s era pop. Then we have the play that funky music white boy clip. Mm-hmm. We then have the, when they're evacuating the town and, and we have like the heavy, I don't, what do you want to call it? It's not heavy metal. But it's like grunge metal. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a get out to drop the bomb now. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I, the best way to describe the song is. Uh, 
but we have Sean William Scott singing "You Are So Beautiful." <laughs> well, that's okay. I, think, I guess okay. My favorite scene in this has always been the mall scene where they go from the the house with the weird like. Oh god, like the Disney creature with the turkey mouth coming out of its head. <laughs> so you go outside, you have like all the dead dragons, and yeah. it's like, oh. And they keep calling it a bird. So I'm guessing they I guess they didn't finalize the design when they showed the I guess they didn't show the actors what it looked like. Sure. That's always fair. It's like, why are they call the bird? It's clearly a dinosaur, but it's like mm. whatever. And then like the, the the one dragon's like vomiting up its offspring, which I just find is fascinating. Like, how many like Creatures vomit their offspring Yeah 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 exactly And you have that and it's like like Oh gosh Sean William Scott has possibly the greatest Line that encapsulates this era Of, of like American pop culture It's like ugh It's like a big loogie Yeah <laughs> If anything encapsulates like the early 2000s it's that Like that's why I imagine someone says like think of the summer of 2001 The first like thing that comes to my mind is Ugh it's like a big loogie. Um, and then, like, after that happens and it's, like, born, I, again, the Orlando Jones moment. Congrat! Or no, what'd you say? Mazel It's a boy! And, um... And you have... They go to the mall. And I love how he drives to the... You have all these cars backing up out of the mall. And if you look at the parking spaces, they're all slanted, which means it's a one-way uh, uh, parking, like, lane. Yep. Yep. And yeah, he's coming, he's deliberately going into the oncoming traffic, which I just find, again, small detail, but I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, swerving and, around him. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they go inside. And I love how it's like, again, it's another moment of like, why, like, how on earth did the characters know it went to a, a shopping mall? It's like, how do they know that? It's like, yeah, like, yeah. the script, like, this is a giant dragon. It could have gone anywhere. Like, <laughs> and this is able to fly at like 60 miles an hour. There's no way their car would be able to keep up with it, especially with all the canyons of Arizona. And I was not funny. They went directly to the mall where it was. And you have this scene where it's like, obviously the giant dragon crashes into the mall. Mm -hmm. And I love how we get like the establishing shot of like the, like the, the middle-aged couple, <laughs> Harold, I think this sweater looks per. I love this color on you. Yeah. Like, when they, when they introduce them, it's something like, we're going to find you clothes. And he's like, I have enough clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird. You know how much I hate shopping. We need to find you something nice for Thanksgiving. Got enough clothes. <laughs> like, like that's dialogue that had. That's not ad lib. That is dialogue that was written on purpose. <laughs> and so, like, again, obviously, we see the dragon. Like, it lets out like a bellow. It crashes through the window, and like, and like all these like patrons start like running away from it. And the best there's like this black guy in a red hoodie. And every time I've watched this movie, I'm like, clearly this guy is like standing out like a sore thumb because of his red hoodie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there must have been something more with him. And I looked at the deleted scenes. The dragon actually chases him. Oh. Through the store oh. And that's why he stands out Like he was meant to stand out So the dragon would chase after him He's not just like one guy Okay that like makes the sense Like a random extra That the camera focuses on <laughs> um, And then you have the scene So like they, they, they pull into the mall And you have the woman Who's shoplifting Yep And the dragon's Banging on the door <laughs> Oh yeah I love that scene I'm in dragon... here Just a minute <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet the dragon Has an entire mall Filled with patrons too Like it's never established The dragon doesn't the dragon doesn't really hurt anybody, does it? No, no. It seems like it just crashes through the window, shakes itself off, and just starts to fly around, and everybody gets scared from it. Even when he, he, well, I guess it's a he because Orlando Jones says it's a boy. Uh, <laughs> when he goes to the dressing room and he snatches the um, shoplifter, it just flies her around. It doesn't <laughs> do anything to her. It just like is holding on to her and it's flying around the wall. Is is, is a uh, a human hostage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Like evolved to that point. They know how to take hostages by this point <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> like that's a weird thing of 
about this movie. It's like nothing makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, like it really doesn't. It's like, why does the alien take the shoplifter hostage? Because the script tells it tells it to. <laughs> yep. Um. It t- I, like Ralph says, I love like the bickering. Like, like we'll play the clip here. Oh, want to get me on the highway? I'm in here just a minute. Get it on in the wind. Just a second, please. I said just a second, bitch. How'd you like me to scratch the eyes out of your skull? But like it bangs. She's like, "Wait a second, bitch!" And I, <laughs> I, I love again another perfect like late '90s, early 2001s moment. And especially, I love the clothing she's stealing. Like, oh, I love yeah. she's. I love how like again late '90s, early 2000s, like how it's just like all like oh god, it's like light like sweaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, you think about it, she's like putting on what five or six layers. Yeah, yeah, she's doing the good old like I I came in wearing this. I swear. <laughs> And I get it, the creature like literally like it bangs in the door, not enough that it can open the door, just enough that she actually voluntarily opens it. It grabs <laughs> her and flies out of the mall. And obviously, at this point, we our characters go get guns mm-hmm. and they start chasing it through the mall. And, and, I, and there's two things about this scene that I just like on this last viewing I picked up on. Okay, the first being this is a big ass dragon alien. Oh yeah. How big is this mall that it's able to a flap its wings enough that it's able to uh, uh, sustain flight? And two, how big is this mall that the main characters can't automatically figure out where this creature is in the mall? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I always kind of on this viewing, especially, it just was like uh, I picked up on that same thing. The size or the the spatial dimensions seem strange. It's like they're in Arizona the whole time, and then just for the mall scene, they're in the Mall of America. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not even the Mall of America. Maybe like a mall that's not as big, but it has just so many wide open spaces. That's that's what this is like. I can't imagine. Like Rob and I have been to the Palisades Mall, which is like what the third largest mall in the country. Something like that. Yeah, it's huge. And it's like I can't imagine like uh, a dragon alien getting lost in that space. (laughs) Never mind. Like I get it. The Mall of America, I think, is almost like double the Palisades Mall. Mm-hmm. But it's like even then, like you would pretty easily be able to determine what's going on here. And I find it interesting that, like in a mall, a there's no security. There's nobody else that's really like, outright concerned about this. Yeah, like that's a good point. I, I just like there's like an orange Julius stand, like and there's people behind Orlando Jones, and they like they seem completely unfazed by this for the most <laughs> part. Like I don't get me wrong, they're cowering, but they don't seem too perturbed enough to leave. And the, I guess the third thing I should point out is that I love how the knee-jerk reaction is to go find guns in the department store. Yeah. And chase this thing in a public space with guns, <laughs> knowing that it has a woman. Because at that point, Orlando Jones is like, oh, I'll gr- I put this gun down. He's like, I'll grab the woman. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. I just find it fascinating. Like, they do make a point like when David Duchovny eventually shoots it. Like he shoots it in a way that like no people will like be like it's like literally flying up toward the ceiling. Yeah, like, should just he should just like hit the ceiling. It probably broken its neck immediately at the rate <laughs> it was flying up in the air. Oh, but man. I find it fascinating that this film, Evolution from two thousand one, makes a uh, concerted effort to have a scene where nobody gets hurt during an alien attack. Yet you have Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, where Superman is almost responsible for. Oh god, leveling an entire city <laughs> And none of the filmmakers have any idea Like, we wonder why there was a backlash To this from the audience I, I find that 
so ironic that Ivan Reitman making Evolution was more cognizant of this than Zack Snyder making a Superman movie of protecting innocence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> it's, it, I get it's such a weird movie because, oh my god, like again, even the Tuki 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 scene, like, like I love that scene. The fact that like like Orlando Jones is like, cut Wayne, you are embarrassing me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And even David the company's like, step back, Harry, I'm gonna kill him. Wait. I think we've established that kaka kaka and tuki tuki don't work. Right. Sorry. Yeah. I think we've established that tuki tuki don't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a lot of this because even like the scene, like there's also like Rob saying with like the non sequitur scenes, like where, oh god, David the Cov- not David the Company, Orlando Jones starts to smoke, and, and David comes <laughs> like, when do you start smoking? And it's like and not much, line- no point in clean living. Clean living at this, or no, no uh, clean living doesn't matter at this point, or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, and then like five minutes later, I know, like he he lights the match, he wades like the match out, he flicks it into the petri dish, and obviously it has the spontaneous evolution moment, mm-hmm. and like it grows up the wall, it knocks the coffee tape, the coffee uh, cup off the table or the counter, and then the two brothers come in and they're like, "Yo, Doctor Kane, we brought beers," <laughs> and, and, and Orlando Jones is like, "Can I have one? I just quit smoking." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> like I again, I can't imagine anybody wrote that for him. Like that seems like a thing. Like oh, like he'd, be, he'd start smoking and immediately give it up. Yeah. And then the <laughs> brothers walk in. And they're like, "Whoa, look at that!" And they're like, "Once you're done with it, can we have it?" Yeah. I I've never fully understood that line, but it's funny. But it's like, what what could they ever do with that? <laughs> well, I think it's just the whole idea. That, like they they're, the, they're these simpletons. Sure, sure. And they find something because even earlier in the film, like like David Duchovny puts them in charge of like operating the winch, the winch mm-hmm. to get the the meteor oh, out. Yeah. Even though clearly somebody drove the winch there that wasn't them. Mm-hmm. And like there are scenes like that, and plus there's even like like we first see them again like after a very prolonged because they're technically only in the film for about four scenes. We see them in the 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 scene where we're introduced to David Duchovny with the cells are bad paper. Yep. We see them with the oh god, what's the next one after? That? Oh, when they're going to, to retrieve the meteor. Yeah. Then they're gone for almost the entire movie. They show up when they return to campus. Mm-hmm. And then they're there for the final action sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said before, I think they are definitely used sparingly. Yeah. Yeah, and even like the 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 scene. I, I, this is another weird. Scene. I remember this when I was younger because obviously anything like in my very conservative uh, upbringing, I didn't see things like this. Like during like the college campus, and there's like what like the the statue of the Indian has like a bra in its hands. Yeah, and, like yep. all the kids are partying, and like there's a woman carrying around a sign that says, <laughs> "I don't want to die a virgin." Yeah, <laughs> and like I remember, like I remember thinking that was weird when I was like nine years old. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like even weirder. Like it's just, oh, like, yeah. that's, such, that's such a weird scene, like in a movie, like made by like a fifty-year-old white man director. Like that's just like that's such an odd, like like in a movie that's filled with weird, like alien creatures. That seems just the most out of place out of all of them. <laughs> I'm like, you take like that's not even a gag. It's like like who's gonna laugh at that? Yeah, it's like an establishing shot more that they're on well, the campus. <laughs> well, yeah, it's an establishing shot, but it's such a like like that's clearly what it's meant to be. 
but like this isn't a high school. Like, I, I guess I guess you can't do it in high school because it's probably underage. And people would be weirded out by that. Mm. But it's, it, it, I mean, if it if that was the setting of it, if it was a high school. Yeah. But like, like, I don't know. It's like, why is that? Like, think about it. Somebody had to a plan that out. B, someone the props department had to make a sign. Yeah. And then B, pick an extra to hold the sign. Then during shooting, they had to tell the extra, this is what we're going to be filming you holding the sign. Then they either, considering that most movies aren't filmed in one take, usually it's at least half a dozen takes, if not more. Mm-hmm. Then they had to go to editing, pick the best take, and then eventually <laughs> decide we're not going to cut this out of the film. <laughs> and it's all for like a non, like a non-joke scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine one person in this entire, oh God, like theater run of this movie mm-hmm. laughing at that. Okay, sure. Other than, I didn't, other than maybe some dude bro being like, yo, dog, I'd hit that. <laughs> like, other Absolutely. Than, like, I can't imagine anyone getting a genuine laugh out of that, like, great Google Mooga, or I need a beer. I just, I can't have a beer. I just quit smoking. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's not even a scene, it's a moment. It's like a yep. shot. <laughs> this is, like, that's what I mean. It's such a, this is a, it's like, like we have so many, like, I guess on the cinematis inexplicable scale, we have things like, oh, eraser head. Oh, Bunce McGavin elves. <laughs> uh, Gerard Butler's Scottish accent, Gods of Egypt. Yeah. Then you have evolution where it's like, it's not really offensive or bizarre, yet it's still inexplicable. Yep, yep, indeed. Yeah, the piecemeal nature of it kind of makes it feel that way or um, emphasizes that feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, yeah. Like, folks, like, this is a weird one. I guess we'll get into cinematis in late night in a moment, but... uh. Yeah, this is this is a weird one for even for us. Like even like yeah, there's different <laughs> shades of Godzo. <laughs> oh, uh, so you have a you have an interesting yes, fact for us. I have my factoid. As I was watching this, and obviously we all know the climax of this. Is, I guess we didn't point out that they have to literally the, the plot of this is that they have to get head and shoulders and shove it up the alien's anus. Yep. To kill it, like that, that's your plot. That's your climax, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm figuring, how much head and shoulders would you need to get in order oh, to actually accomplish oh, this? Good so thought. Did, good thought. So I looked up. I, I don't have a head and shoulders bottle from 2001, but I looked up online, and from what I can tell, the average head and shoulders bottle contains 23.7 fluid ounces. Okay. Then I looked up how many gallons a fire truck holds in liquid. Okay. And it, uh, the, the average uh, amount of liquid uh, fire truck can hold is around a thousand gallons, gotcha. which turns out to 128 fluid ounces. Mm-hmm. So you take 128 divided by 23.7, and that would mean they would need 5,401 bottles of head and shoulders. <laughs> oh, God. And if you do the math on that, you figure what, Rob? The average drugstore slash. Uh, grocery store probably has what a dozen bottles of head and shoulders at any given time yeah yeah you divide that 541 by 12 that would mean mm. our characters would have had to go into 540 <laughs> grocery stores and pharmacies <laughs> and drugstores to get enough stuff to do this oh man 400 i think about it, 450 different stores Jeez, and they do it within uh, a few America, hours, hours right? yes <laughs> Because yeah, when they when they get the idea, they say it's two a.m. and then the the napalm is scheduled to go off at noon the next day. Yes. So so that's less than twelve hours they have, and and they accomplish it. Good for them. <laughs> that would mean you have to, that basically means you have to hit up thirty seven stores in an hour. Yeah. Oh wow. 
So that would mean basically you have to go to a different store basically once every what? Two minutes? Yeah. <laughs> you need a giant team of people to accomplish that. An insane amount of people. Oh, that yeah. they are able to do it in roughly what? <laughs> Ten hours, give or take? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Oh, my God. So, yeah, folks. There's, there's some – Ivan Reitman, if you're listening to this, we have an interesting factoid for you. <laughs> oh, geez. And to thinking about how much it would cost, too, for all those that, bottles of head and shoulders. Oh, my God. Yeah. Think about it. Like, the average head and shoulders is probably what, like – like what six seven dollars sure that's a your guess is as good as mine so let's say let's say it was four bucks in 2001 okay. let's let's be fair there that's twenty two thousand dollars <laughs> i hope there should have been a scene instead of the head and shoulders commercial instead of orlando jones getting pregnant uh there there should have been like a scene where david duchovny gives the bill for the head and shoulders that they had to buy, like, to Ted Levine's character. <laughs> like, asking for government reimbursement for all the head and shoulders they bought. <laughs> I would love it. Or, or see something, like, where uh, Orlando Jones, like, makes the department, like, the, the geological department or the science department pay for all of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I said, th- th- this is, again, weird movie, folks. Weird movie. Like, not bizarre, but it is weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that kind of hits everything. I'm trying to, like, other than going through, again, like, uh, like we usually do a point-by-point break, like basis on the plot. It's, uh, like, I, I don't know, Rob. Uh, I guess we'll go to cinema. I guess we should move to cinemati and late-night status. Sure, sure. For me, cinemati... Oh god! Like, like I have to say, like it's a very like light yes. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the definition of like yeah, because that summer there was nothing else like it, and okay. I still think even now, like nothing like this, like this would not get made now. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine making a movie that like this with no branding attached to it. <laughs> it does have. It is so disjointed, and yet yep. nobody felt compelled to try to remedy that. Cinema, mm-hmm. yes. Late night movie. I don't know. Like, I, I, this is where maybe it'd be good to find someone who's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if somebody who's never seen this before, like we said, would, would even appreciate it. Like, there is comedy in this, but like, this is what I would like to imagine, like, was like the perfect TNT movie in like 2003. <laughs> like, and yeah. it's back, it's like background noise, the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, for late night movie for me, I think. I don't know. I, I feel like this is safe because there's nothing really, really bizarre about it. Like it's in that same. It would be in that same category. Yeah. As like a Star Wars, Clone Wars, or a like Jurassic World, Dinosaur Boogaloo, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's like it's nothing really bad, but like you do get that weirdness. But I'm going to refrain on getting my final answer until I hear what Rob has to say. I feel like Rob might be able to sway me on this way. I, on this one, either way. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, for cinematography, for me, I think uh, it's it's been affirmed after this discussion. Just the, the, like we've been saying, the piecemeal nature, how disjointed this feels, how it's so scattershot with its humor. So for Cinemodity, I'm going to say yes, because I definitely think um, we need more things like this in the Cinemodity's uh, repertoire. And and also I think there's some bias because, you know, I've, I've watched this movie for so long and, and I guess I would say I loved it for so long when I was younger. Um, so yes to Cinemodities. Now, late night... Um, can I say that I defer until I hear what Zach says? <laughs> uh oh, we create a never ending loop. <laughs> um, no, no. So I, but uh, the reason I make that joke is because I was kind of on the fence about this as well. And I was like, as I was watching it earlier today, I was kind of thinking the same thing you were saying. You know, would somebody 
would somebody latch on to this late at night? It is a comedy. I think you get points for that. I think comedies as late night movies is never a bad thing. Um, but since this is kind of so shallow and, you know, it's just kind of you have that, you know, very sexually charged humor, while that in the grand scale of things, you know, for cinemodity kind of evens out and I'm okay with saying yes to that, I think this isn't something that I would show as a late night movie because it, it is it does have that shallowness and it has, you know, kind of more of that raunchy, you know, baseline humor that's not really something I want to show off to people. And the other thing I was thinking of is when late night movie, you know, I always say you got somebody in your clutches and you want to get a response or a reaction from them. Uh, this this isn't going to be anything more than, you know, maybe a few laughs. And there's nothing really else to dive into with this movie uh, at a late night scale. So I'm going to go yes to cinemodity, no to late night movie. Yeah, I think Rob put that put that quite well. Yeah, you. I think you'd be very hard pressed to find someone that would have like a like a response to this. Yeah, they would see laps. it as just like, oh, another comedy that I haven't seen type of thing. Yeah, I, I don't think you get a response. Like again, like you said, a couple of jokes here and there would probably get a fun response. They get like a nice laugh or two, but nothing that anybody would really go like really react to. Yeah, I, okay, I agree. Cinemodity, yes. And pretty much the reason why it's a cinemati is kind of the reason why it doesn't work as a late night movie in this case. Yeah, yeah. they're mutually excuse- exclusive for evolution. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So I'm on board. That's uh, yes to cinemati's, no to late night movie. Right on, right on. All right, are we doing snacks? Oh boy. Okay, I uh, I'm gonna say one that Zach might get angry because I'm I'm tempted to think. He also is going to pitch this. But as as we often say, we don't have enough drinks at the Cinemodities uh. restaurant. And, well, I don't know. I uh, We've been saying that for so long, it might not be true anymore <laughs> that, we, that we actually have a good amount of drinks. But for, for now, we'll say we don't have enough. Um, my pitch for drink is just head and shoulders. Like, you just get a cup of head and shoulders when you order it. <laughs> What you, nothing maybe maybe an umbrella maybe there's one of the drink oh. umbrellas in there but it's just straight out of the bottle head and shoulders <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> i don't know what that would taste like um but i'm sure somebody's tried it and yes. if they like it they can order it so that was my drink pitch the other thing that i really like is uh we gotta get some of this alien meat like we gotta get <laughs> these, these creatures and, yeah yeah like, and you know cook them up and and see what they taste like and what they go well with and and all those things you know now that i say that though and and with the revelation at the end of the movie that that heat and fire make these things grow faster i'm imagining <laughs> you'd have like you'd have like a steak from that dog turkey hybrid thing and you'd start to cook it and it would just like come to life and or not come to life but you know expand and take over the kitchen so it might not actually be practical there might have to be like an like an alien meat tartare, so it doesn't, you know, <laughs> expand and take over the restaurant. <laughs> what we have to do is like kind of like sear it almost. Mmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. But, but actually, it'd be really practical for food costs because all we need is a little tiny bit, and we put it on the on the heat, and it would expand. We only need a little thing about on oh. weight. Oh. This might be able to save us from insolvency, Rob. That's a see. That's I like that. If we could figure out, you know, what size piece we would need so that it would expand to something manageable. Then yeah, then yeah, that would actually be really cool. We could probably, you know, just get one of these aliens and, well, maybe two, one for testing and then one for the restaurant and just, you know, feed, it'll it just last forever, you know, as long as they that's store all, well. That's what I'm thinking, because you remember in the film when they had like the little like what? Like the, the oh God, the, like the multicellular ones in the Petri dish, all it takes is like a matchstick 
yep. flame, it blows up. Think about that. That's that would be enough to feed like a family of eight. Just that yeah. alone. Think about oh, yeah. it. One alien might be enough to last us through years at the Cinemani's <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> we'll push that every day because it's our cheapest option. Like you can order other things at the restaurant, but really order this. <laughs> we advise you for, for the solvency of the restaurant. Please order the alien. <laughs> yeah, do do your part for the cinema of these restaurants. <laughs> oh my god, I love um, that's great. Yeah, that's such a such a neat idea. Okay, cool. Well, okay, I'm gonna take Rob's thing about the. Um, the 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 head and shoulders, but I'm gonna make it into an experience. I know earlier I said I had an idea, but we'll get into it later for a snack. It was something risque, but I can't remember it now. Okay, but I'm, I'm gonna do my best. I think we should serve it as a drink, but in order for you to get it, it doesn't come to your table like in a glass. We we hire Orlando Jones, and he sprays you with a fire hose filled with it. You have to ang- like angle your glass. He gets it. He gets it <laughs> into your glass. That's how that's how you get it. <laughs> Is this gonna happen? Like. Right at the table, like everybody at the table getting <laughs> getting the drink hosed on them, just because you ordered it, or do you have to go in like a special area? Are other patrons getting shot with the hose? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Gallagher con- uh, Ga- Gallagher <laughs> performance. If you're near, if a table orders this and you're anywhere near, you get like a plastic poncho. To yeah, everybody yourself. gets everybody gets ponchos, and it's like the family's like, "What? What is this for? We didn't we didn't order this." And it's like, "No, the table next to you, the booth next to you ordered." <laughs> ordered the or the evolution drink so you should probably cover that up and and then you give them like a little little covers for their their plates so that the food doesn't get <laughs> get soggy or anything like that <laughs> i love oh it my god. oh my god it's great um all right the other snack i have while watching this i don't know how it would work but we have to take we have to think of the food item that would actually um what it's uh, consist of i just have a name in a scene of this uh ted levine's telling david the company about protocol and david the company goes come here russell i got some i got some protocol for you right here and he grabs his gro- his crotch yeah <laughs> um i want a, a meal on the menu i don't know what the meal is i don't know what it consists of but i want it to be here come here russell i've got some protocol for you and it says in parenthetical <laughs> grab your crotch grabs his crotch <laughs> Oh man, that's good. I mean, would it be like an animal's penis? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's better. It has nothing to do with that. It's just the whole idea of I want that being the context. Oh, okay. And, and I want that being it, but it's the exact opposite. It's nothing dirty or risque. Okay, so what if it's actually like protocol? a hamburger? Well, I, no, I was thinking like, what if it's what if it's actually like a, like a handbook of protocol for something? <laughs> like somebody orders it thinking they're going to get food, but it turns out it's exactly what it says it is. And they have to read like the Cinemodities Restaurant Protocol or like that. And they have to order again. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like I, I have the idea of it being like, oh, God, what was it? The, the Simpsons episode Itchy and Scratchy Land where it's like all like the menu items have like all these weird things where it's like the blood burger with like extra like pus. Mm-hmm. And Mars gets like. Like oh god what's what's oh god what's Marge get she gets like the veal and it's called like the baby brains or something oh, yeah. and the waiter's like you disgust me it's like mom you ordered the veal I want that or like somebody's like, like you pick the most like what's the most like ordered item on like a mess like a restaurant menu like a hamburger hmm. and that's what it is come here Russell I got you I got your protocol come and get it I want that so every time somebody says that they have to say it and then do the gesture in order to order like the most <laughs> common thing on the menu okay okay right on <laughs> that's all I want I want because I find that such again an inexplicable line of dialogue a lot yeah. that's a weird thing to say to like you're like you're an alien research site and like your boss who's like what like a CIA, like a military general. You're mm-hmm. like, come on, I like, we'll insert the clip here. 
Just following protocol, Ira. You remember protocol, don't you? Yeah, I got some protocol right here for you, Russell. Come and get it. It's it's so it's such a weird bit. It's so <laughs> odd. And I, I can't imagine David Duchovny knows how to ad lib. So it's like clearly that was written in the script. That wasn't all of X Files. Was him ad libbing? Well, <laughs> I don't know anymore. Like, I, it's funny. Every ever since I heard about the fact that David Duchovny was like a sexaholic. And like, and like, couldn't sit still. Yeah. Like, like, every time I watch anything he's done now, I just think about them. Like, what was he thinking during that scene? <laughs> well, there must have been like, like, like an extra or like a stage hand that was a woman just like bending over somewhere, and he's like, yeah. He's like, it's like, like, like in his mind, like, what was it? Um, I got your like... protocol. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking. Of. Right on. Oh man, that's good. <laughs> I think there was there was the one that you uh, couldn't remember. You mentioned that you wanted to pitch something that involved the K in madness earlier. Oh, on. <laughs> all right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you. You're right. That was yes. That was it. And um, I still am not sure if I want to say it. Oh, I, think okay. we should, I think we should name the head shoulder beverage that shoots at you the K in madness. <laughs> okay. Okay. I could I could get behind that. <laughs> That's what it's called. So you order the cane madness, and come someone comes out and uh, shoots you with white liquid goo. Would they be screaming like cane <laughs> madness while they're doing it? I don't know. I know all I know is that it comes with uh, what erectile dysfunction and uh, it was like involuntary like abdomen spasms or something. It's drooling, bleeding gums. I think he says. Uh, yeah, like yeah, Nausea. cramps. Abdominal cramps, nausea, abdominal cramps, yeah, all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> so that's what you get after you drink the beverage. Yes. You get covered in it, and then when you drink it, you just get incredibly <laughs> sick. <laughs> just like drinking head and shoulders probably does. <laughs> I find that's, that's another weird joke in a movie that ends with, like, Dan Ancroyd's, like, presenting them all medals. And I find that interesting, that Dan, like, Dan Ancroyd has, like, all these medals just waiting. Yeah, and oh, then, yeah. like, and somehow was able to, like, somehow, like, knew about Sean William Scott's issue with the fire chief and wanted to be yeah. a fireman. It's like, how would he know that? Like, <laughs> like, how would the governor know that? It's so specific. It's as if the governor read the script before going to the, to the, yeah. the award ceremony. <laughs> and then, again, it's a weird thing that, like, um, Dan Ancroyd's presenting the medals and David Duchovny and Julianne Moore, like, walk away to, like, canoodle in the cab of the fire truck. Yep. And it's like, he goes to introduce them. It's like, where are they? And Orlando Jones is like, I think he's giving her a bit of the cane madness. I'm like, that's such, a, again, a weird euphemism for sex. Definitely. <laughs> this thing that made people, like, vo- like, like oh, my Lord. So ill like imagine like using as a euphemism like there's all these different euphemisms i remember when i was in college like i knew this girl and i'm like when people have sex and she's like why are you saying that and i'm like what do you mean she's like when people bang i'm like what are you saying (laughs) and i'm like i like the idea of like using some term for people getting violently ill as a term for sex it's like yo man i'm going to give her the bubonic plague right i I can't wait to uh (laughs) like like, what's another like illness what's another thing like you could say for illness it's versa I'm, give, I'm giving her. I'm pumping her full of MRSA. <laughs> oh my god! Like, I like that. Like, like that's like I don't know how that would work into the Cinemati's restaurant. How euphemisms for sex? <laughs> we'll figure it out. Maybe next year during the year, the year long or the, the two year anniversary, that will be a, a fill in the blank. We'll have to figure that out between now and then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Deal. <laughs> Oh my god. So uh Rob uh, I don't know why I thought of MRSA. <laughs> I haven't heard anybody say MRSA in years. <laughs> why not? Um 
But yes, uh, how are we going to end the episode? How are we going to end the episode, Rob? Um, play that backwards music, white boy. <laughs> what do you think uh, about that? <laughs> I, I can get on. I can dig it. Okay, right on. And uh, and Zach, now you can actually go listen to the... Have you listened to the whole song? Do you still loop the 30 seconds that or a minute that it's in this to hear that? <laughs> um, I think when I first got my very... I guess, it's, I guess it should be part of the context for the 18s music video series episode like the, the day i got my first ipod like i had like every single song written down i ever wanted and that was like one of the first ones i ever downloaded off iTunes, oh, like cool. back like 15 years ago so no unfortunately i do not loop my uh my <laughs> my video and just like constantly rewatch the same like 14 second scene okay good good you're moving up in the world <laughs> so i'm growing I'm a big boy pants on all right well that being said this is the end of our failed blockbuster series should we, we announce wanna... what we're doing what, what technically the very next episode is the one year anniversary oh ah, yes yes that we recorded six years ago <laughs> so yeah look forward to that and uh maybe maybe we'll keep the 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 next upcoming series a surprise because uh oh, oh no maybe maybe if we sell it the right way it'll attract more people well, well, <laughs> well how about this we'll put a i think we've already established it through knights of vader and other episodes of cinemonies okay so how about we just before we place that funky music white boy in reverse how about we play our favorite end games little musical sting i wanna be an end game i wanna be your first string i wanna be your a team i wanna be your end game Endgame